It's time for Cyclone Insider. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. All right, guys. Welcome to this week's installment of Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. We are all back from the beautiful city of Memphis, Tennessee. Anybody object to that? It's your show. Uh, what a crapple, honestly. Nice people, the nicest people in the world. And and I like the bowl game. They very much care about the bowl game there. Um, it's easy for Iowa State fans to get to. I love the fact that Beale Street is centrally located and everybody has a place to go. I love everything about it. It's just a, it's just not a great city to just go for a walk in. I'll put but, it that way. Yeah, and the weather had something to do with that as well. But, yeah, you're right. Um, great food. I had awesome food there. Yeah. The um the but it's it's been there forever. That bowl that bowl, what is it, fifty was it fifty nine? What was this year? Yeah. Uh so, it's fifty ninth annual, yeah. Yeah, so it's doing something right. Something so, to be said for that. You know, yeah. So with all the bowl um, games that have changed over the years. Yeah. And, I, I so in that respect. And I had the most fun time um at the media dinner and I sat next to that gentleman and this is why uh you always um for young people out there, and I've done this with you over the years, Randy. Just uh, hang out with folks a generation above you and let them talk. Somebody that can teach you something. Yeah, and this guy, I mean, I, I learned so much from this guy in 45 minutes. The OU guy. Yeah, it yeah. turns out he was Barry Switzer's old SID, yeah. and he's he ran the Liberty Bowl for like 14 years. He said, and he was telling me all these great stories, and it was so like it, it was so enlightening for me. And that's what I appreciate about that bowl game in particular, because there is a history there, and um. I don't know. I it's a good bowl, and I I would be as much complaining as there is about Memphis. I would be glad to go back there. I think it's a good bowl game. The people around town really embrace the whole yeah the whole game too. Because um, remember one time it was it was that same night uh, I was with three or four people from Memphis who were just telling me about how you know they get excited about the parade, the game. Whoever's in town, it's it's like their their big tradition, no matter what, to go to the game. And they were super pumped about kind of how both their worlds were colliding with this great event that they love and then their hometown team, too, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. to me, that was the best part of the Liberty Pool is, you know, I think as the days kind of started building up, we, we knew Iowa State fans were going to show up really well. Yeah. We kept hearing the Memphis fans were going to show up really well, too. But then once game day arrived and you looked out in the stands and you saw that sea of blue and that sea of cardinal gold and cardinal and gold, it was amazing. That was a fantastic bowl environment. Uh, the only thing I could really compare that to, Pete, it's what um, you know, it's what conference championship games are supposed to be like but rarely are as far as the crowds goes. It, the only thing I could re- compare it to is like a Red River shootout type deal where you have one side of the stadium was one color, the other side was the other. I mean, that pregame atmosphere was second to none. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I can't embellish anything. I mean, I can't add anything what Tommy said. He's exactly right. It was – I've been – I don't know how many bowl games I've been to, but I've never seen – other than the uh, – Rose, Rose, Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl, yeah. Than the I'm Rose sorry Bowl, I left other, that out. Other than – yeah, I've done a, a Rose Bowl or two. And, and – um, Iowa in the Orange Bowl when Iowa played Southern Cal, that was that was pretty much like that as mm-hmm. well. But those were 
you know, BCS or whatever games they were. Back, yeah, this is a lower tier bowl then. game. Yeah, so, um, but let's just face it. Anytime Iowa State's in a bowl game that's, that's any place other than Boise, Iowa State fans are going to go. They're going to go there, and that's the way it's going to be. They even, considering compared to how a lot of schools do, they travel to New York pretty well. Did they? I, I, well, there were there were like I think, I think the estimate there was, the university that year sold yeah, like forty three hundred. I think yeah. it was like five to ten is what they guessed. But yeah. that for most Midwest teams, that. that's a lot. I did see. That. I actually had. I was going through some files the other day, and I saw the the final report on that. How many exactly? How many people were there, and how much money Iowa State? You know all the financial stuff. So yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, New York's a, a tough ticket during that time of the year, but, uh, yeah, so it, it was, it was cool. And, 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 uh, you know, Memphis, they love their football, especially those sports reporters who cheer in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of those. Had to say that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, the, the game itself, let's, um, let's just, where do you guys want to start? This is, this is your show. I, let's start with the fact that Iowa State's going up against an elite pass offense with, Immediately missing two members of its secondary in Kamari Cottonmoya and Everett Edwards. DeAndre Payne gets knocked out of the game basically when it starts. Uh, I thought that that aspect of the 21 20 win over Memphis probably went overlooked, Tommy, that they they were playing basically with a second string secondary. Yeah, and I, I kind of went into it with two thoughts. On one hand, Remember, I think my score prediction for the Memphis paper was like 31 to 21 because I thought it was going to be <clears throat> a low-scoring game that really benefited Iowa State. But as soon as I found out Kamari Kamoya and Everett Edwards weren't good to go, I was like, okay, that changes things dramatically. But then on the flip side, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, this is what Iowa State does. This is why the Cyclones have so much success. Every time somebody's gone down or they've kind of faced adversity, they've dealt with it. I mean, this is the same team that played through four quarterbacks, three starting quarterbacks, and barely missed a beat. That's a good so, point. So in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, they, they'll be able to handle it. But I, I thought, man, that's, those are some massive blows, especially Kamari Conmoya. And it was, say this, it was really tough to see now – we know now violation of team rules for um, Kamari Kanmoya. Just how heartbreaking is it for? Th- I mean, that guy to think about. You know, I I know he violated a rule. He brought it on himself. But that's a guy who rode out so many tough times, uh, so many losing seasons. He had told me he just about walked away a couple of times, nearly quit a couple of times. Jamie Pollard had told him that. Uh, you come back this season, we're going to celebrate you going to a bowl game. Finally got to a bowl game and didn't even get to play in it. I, I couldn't imagine what it was like for him standing on the sidelines. And it's a good thing for Iowa State that they won that game because um, if if they if Memphis would have gone down and kicked a field goal at the end of that game and won it, you could have easily pointed to the idea of Kamari Kanmoya not playing in that game as a possible difference maker. Totally. Totally. And I, I also think in a not to get too in the weeds, Randy, but it, it does show that the guys behind them are capable uh of beating a good team. And, you know, a guy like Lawrence White I thought played really well 
on Saturday. And Lanning said it best in in his post game deal with total team defense, and, th- and that's what it was. From the D the D line was phenomenal on Saturday against Memphis. Six six. The, the, yeah, and the linebackers played really well. Uh, all three of them did, and then. The secondary wasn't perfect, but they did everything they had to do to get the win. That is the thing that sets this Iowa State team apart from the from the rest. I've always said and written that Iowa State teams of recent years had the twenty two players that could that could hang with a lot of teams yeah. in the Big Twelve, but once they got the injury bug started showing up, especially in the offensive line. Then that, as they put in the reserve, the, the the they as they go to the depth chart, then it falls off drastically. There's not a drastic fall off this year. With I don't know if there's any position where there's a drastic fall off. Certainly, we didn't see it at quarterback. Certainly, we haven't seen it at running back. Certainly, we didn't see it at receivers, the offensive line, the linebackers, the defensive backs, you mm-hmm. name it. There's not a well, – we didn't see the second-string kickers. But, uh, um, okay, maybe a kickoff return um, um, you know, position. But there, there's not a significant drop-off at any position this year when you go to the depth chart, and that in, a, in and of itself is what sets Iowa State football apart from the from – past years yeah and they're just and i don't know if you guys had a chance to do anything like this or if you will but i went through yesterday and i didn't cover basketball so i had some time and i i spent a good three four hours just mapping out what i thought a depth chart could look like i read i put it in the paper the next day yeah okay yeah <laughs> they're the d line next year yeah is loaded and that's not with tongamoa well i i did I you have him in there yeah i had him okay. in there but i'm just saying even starter? I mean, in a four-man front, yes. Okay. Three-man front, no, because Lima would clearly yeah. be that guy. But they, if they, they'll go five, six, seven, or not five, seven, eight guys deep right. comfortably next year. And to me, that's the biggest thing when I look at next year. There are clearly issues on the other side of the ball that will have to be dealt with as far as the quarterback situation goes, and they absolutely have to get better on the offensive line. But the fact of the matter is, when you're going to trot out a defensive line like they will next year, and they're going to have two really good linebackers, and they're going to have a hole to fill with Joel Lanning, I think there's a couple guys capable of it. Um, you're, just, this program is being built from the inside out, which in the past has not really been the case. And just you, you hit on the idea of the offensive line. Just sheer experience would tell you <clears throat> that that unit is going to be night and day better. I mean – I think by the kind of the end of the season, you didn't see massive strides, but you saw it make significant strides, and you know they were only going to be better. And that's the same thing about the the defensive line. I mean, you're talking about some pretty experienced guys coming back from Ray and Lima, uh, Jaquan Bailey, um, you know, um, even a guy like Carson Lensing, who probably is always going to be that second string kind of third string guy but now that they have um some legitimate pieces to the puzzle like you said not just a first string guy but now they have second and third string guys with experience too yeah 515-284-5966 we are live tonight we can take your calls on until 6 30 and then we'll hand it off to 
John Walters, uh, the courtside show. I don't know, if, Tommy, you're the Colin show expert. Will Campbell be on tonight? Will they do like a bull cap I recap? I have no idea, to I, be honest. I don't know. I'm sure Proman. Um, I figured they would try and trot him out there and do a little celebratory thing. We'll see. Yeah, Fenley can't be on. They're traveling. Yeah, they're traveling, and uh, I'm sure Prom will be on there, and we'll get the basketball here in just a little bit. Where did you – I'm curious. I Like I said, I did the, the starting lineup in Monday's whatever Monday's paper. Who did you – what did you do with Kinney? Uh I had – I had David Montgomery as the starter. Right. And then I had an or next to the next four guys. I even okay. kept Warren in there. I don't so I just it, did the starters. I had Kane as a as a See, I did I did a full two deep yeah. and I had Kane, Crony, Warren and Lang all with ors okay. next to him and just put them in a competition cuz I, I don't really okay. my I, guess would be he would be second string. Yeah. And what are you going to do with Johnny Lang? I mean, put, they 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 still yeah. rave about him. Yeah. Same I mean, same situation. But that's that's something they are loaded at running back and defensive yeah, line. I yeah. hate to I hate to be the one that that plays this card right now, but come next season, if David Montgomery puts up another really good season as a as a junior, that could be where you start having that NFL conversation about him and suddenly that next season is Kene Nwangu and Johnny Lang's uh type seasons. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, I got a couple calls here. We'll start with Peter. Peter, welcome to the uh, Cyclone Insider Program. What's up, bud? You say Peter? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I'm just calling. Really impressive Cyclone football season. And uh, I'm wondering if anybody has mentioned yet that Iowa State played and beat four teams that played in their conference championship game this year, Akron, Oklahoma, TCU, and then Memphis. I'm wondering if that's ever happened before in college football. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what that does show, Peter, is the depth of Iowa State's um, schedule, but I, I, I don't know that's the answer gotta, to that. And Thank that, you for the – Well, the Northern oh, – did they play Northern Iowa this year? Yes, they did. Northern Iowa made the playoffs, right? Yes, they did. Yep. Yep. And that's got to make a pretty Thanks, compelling case by usually the end of the season football rankings not only take into account – okay, how you finish this season, but I think a lot of people do kind of a hierarchy, you know, over overlook at the entire season. That's probably something that a lot of people are going to take into account when uh, it comes to Iowa State and possibly landing in the top 25 to end the, yeah, end no, the season. I think they will. I think that's a given. I yeah. think Iowa State's in it. They, they uh, should. No question. Yeah. Um, uh, Bloom texted me that Pollard is on the coach's show tonight with Steve Prom. Uh Mark, hold on. Do me a favor and hold on. We're we're running late here. Uh we will take your call on Iowa State football when we come back. Randy Peterson, Tommy Birch and I uh talking cyclones until six thirty. Uh we're gonna do some basketball talk in the six o'clock hour, so it won't be nearly as jubilant of a conversation for you cyclone fans out there. More Cyclone Insider when we come back here on fourteen sixty KXNO. It's Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Talk I maybe Iowa. hungry pizza. Jeez. You're gonna eat, what are you having tonight for dinner, Pete? I don't know. It's pizza. early. You got some pizza. It's early. No, I had that last night. You have it like five nights out of the week. Well, you can buy a Casey or a Pizza Hut. <laughs> you can do whatever pizza you want, bro. Get whatever pizza you want and eat half of it and put the rest of it in the fridge and eat the rest of it. After you get back at midnight from your basketball game. Diet Coke and pizza. That's the Randy Peterson diet. I don't drink that Coke after noon-ish. Really? Because it keeps you up at night? Yeah. <laughs> I don't got that problem. I drink coffee at like 10 o'clock and still the second I hit the pillow, I'm, I'm out. 
I'm old. It's a me problem. Uh, let's go to the phones. What's Mark have to say? We're live until six. What time? How many times? Yeah. What's Mark drink after midnight? Let's see what Mark wants to talk about. Mark, welcome to Cyclone Insider. Oh, thank you guys. Uh, longtime Cyclone fan. So proud of the uh, football team this year and what they did. Uh, but as I'm watching that game, and this is a good thing, but as I'm watching the game and I'm seeing us uh, blitz there at the end of the game in some key moments, I'm going, yes, but also, where was that during regular season? Those times when we rushed three guys, and yes, we had eight people defending five people, but when those five people know where they're going, you know, we, we, we certainly could have seen some of that blitzing. Uh, during the regular season because it it showed that, boy, I mean, that was a big thing, I think. We got after that quarterback. And then the second thing, just to piggyback off of Peter, I've checked before, and like the Alabamas and the LSUs and a whole bunch of top ten teams, you look at their schedule versus what Iowa State has done. First off, they play four non-conference games. And one of them's a good team. Three of them are maybe directional schools. And then they don't play everybody in their conference like Iowa State does. So, no, Iowa State's bringing on all comers. And I was just really pleased with uh, the defense uh, of what they did on uh, the other day. Thanks, Mark. I think, you, I think you described a lot of what you see in bowl games often is when you have a month to prepare for the opposition, you can oftentimes – you know, spice up your playbook a little bit. And I think John Haycock did a really nice job of that, Tommy. Yeah, and they, I mean, they brought pressure at times during the season, but it wasn't a mainstay or something they would do all the time. But, yeah, I mean, that showed a ton of faith late in the game that he, you know, he he was willing to to do that, especially against an experienced quarterback like Riley Ferguson, who even said after the game he was really thrown off by all the schemes and different looks that Iowa State threw at him, which is pretty crazy because that's a guy who's been around for a while, done it all, seen it all, and been through it all. I'm not certain Haycock gets enough credit for the way this I team. I don't think he does. Team's either, gone. You know, you're talking about bringing pressure late in the game. Well, I mean, replay the last five minutes of the Oklahoma game. What was who made the last tackle? I believe one of the last defensive plays for Iowa Spears. State. Lanning tackled Mayfield oh. from behind. Who got the pick in that game? Was it Harvey or Spears? Spears. Spears, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lanning sacked, sacked Baker Mayfield from behind, and Mayfield was scrambling, and that's when he's in his wheelhouse is when he's, when he's outside of that pocket. So Iowa State was bringing some heat late in that Oklahoma game as well. So John Haycock does not get as much um, – credit as 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 he's deserved you probably know john better than i do do you think he has any aspirations to be a head coach again i don't think i mean he's been a head coach he was the interim head coach at toledo when campbell left he's been the head coach at youngstown Mm -hmm. um so he's he's done that um i don't know whether he's he wants to you know i don't i don't know i've never talked to him about that but he's he's certainly one of the best defensive coordinators in the country i know I know it was definitely a tough sell to get him to <clears throat> to pick up and move his family uh, from Toledo to Iowa because he had his daughter graduating from high school. He has son getting ready to go to college who now goes to Iowa State. I think from what it sounded like, he was 
pretty content with staying at Toledo, even after he was named the interim head coach, and they gave the 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 job to Jason Candle. And I mean, it was a long process before Haycock got here. Yeah, I he totally remember that. I, I totally remember that. Uh, Calvin, do me a favor. Hold on, buddy. Uh, we will take your call uh, and others if you guys want. Uh, it's Randy Peterson, Tommy Birch, Chris Williams here. Until 6.30, talking Iowa State football and the Liberty Bowl win right now. Uh, we'll do some hoops as well as Iowa State 0-2 um, start at home in the Big 12 Conference. How uh, how seriously uh, or should people be freaking out? What's going on? Touch on that and a lot more football as well. We're on until 6.30. Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register here on 1460 KXNO. It's Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back to Cyclone Insider. If you're a Hawkeye fan, uh, 1040 WHO. I'm sure we'll have the Iowa-Michigan game that just started. Not trying to tell you to change the channel or anything like that, but uh, they are our sister station. And the Hawkeyes are taking on the Wolverines. Iowa State will next be at it in basketball on Saturday at Oklahoma State. Before we get to that game, let's take another football call here. And it's wide open. Whatever you guys want tonight, 515-284-5966. Tommy Birch and Randy Peterson are with me. We welcome Calvin to the program. Hey, Calvin, what's up, brother? Hey, not much, Chris. Cyclone Inside is my second favorite show. I I listen to it every Tuesday night from 530 to 6 to 7. All what's right. What's show number one? Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. <laughs> yeah, it's my I'm, guy, Calvin. I'm a big fan of Calvin. I hear him on the Colin show all yeah, the time. Calvin, you're a you're a legend, you, man. Tommy. Don't you watch Blue Bloods or anything like that? No, I don't, Randy. Oh but, man. But Randy, my favorite pop is Dr. Pepper. It's not diet. He's a Dr. Pepper guy, not a doc. Oh, okay. Was that is that that four. ten, two, and four or whatever that is? what is that? No, it's be a you know. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, be a pepper, pepper, something like that. Do you want to be a pepper? That's it. That's the one. I could sing it, but I won't. I got a cold. Yeah. What's on on your mind, Calvin? Okay. I'm sorry, Chris. Um, (laughs) No, it's okay, bud. Okay. Um, Chris, who's your starting quarterback? Who's your backup quarterback? Okay. What question, and where does Real Mitchell fit in in all this? Really good question, Calvin. Um, This is where I got, right? First of all, I think they'll get I a grad transfer. question I came up with. Okay, hold on. We'll answer the first one first, okay? I think Iowa State will sign a grad transfer quarterback of some sort. Does anybody disagree with that? No. Pete? I think, yes. Ex- no, I don't agree. Don't agree? You don't you think, don't they, think will? they will? I think they're going to have to hold off and see what happens with Kyle Kemp, if they possibly can. Well, because okay, that's yeah. essentially your that goes with that's saying. essentially your grad transfer. Correct. If, I, I'm I, assuming he's not eligible. Then yeah. they get a grad transfer who yeah. comes in and competes yeah. for the starting job. You're not yeah. going to get a grad transfer come in and sit. I would say there is a better shot of um, me quarterbacking that team than Kyle Kemp next season. Wow. Then you need about five grad transfers, <laughs> at least. So okay, I've got. For what we know right now, Zeb Nolan, number one. And as far as number two goes, I think it's a competition between Real Mitchell and Devin Moore, the other redshirt freshman who is coming off of an injury. 
and th- this is my point as to why you have to get somebody else in that quarterback room because right. you got a sophomore and two freshmen. I mean, I don't know about Real Mitchell. I know they really like him, Calvin, but he's a freshman quarterback in the Big 12. And the key here to me is the team you have coming back around him. This is a team that's ready to go out and win eight or nine games. Um, so you've got to do everything you can to make sure that that quarterback position does not hold you back. Yeah, and at least when it came to um, to the backup spot and and uh, Jacob Park this season, even though Kyle Kempt had limited playing time experience, you have to have at least felt uh, a sense of comfortability knowing Kyle Kempt had been around the block so much, not only from his time at Oregon State, transferring to Hutchinson, being at Iowa State, being a part of that team. He'd even been through bowl prep. So even though he wasn't game experienced, he was experienced. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What else do you have, Calvin? Okay, Um, another two-point question. I don't mean to hog the show. Um, Would Real Mitchell comes in in January, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Okay. Will he will he get a chance to perform in spring practice? And if he does perform well in spring practice, will he get a chance to start in the fall? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Chris. <clears throat> Thank you, Calvary. Appreciate your call, brother. Yeah, the game plan is with Real Mitchell showing up to to campus and rolling early. Uh, he'll be able to go through all the off season workouts um, and go through uh, spring drills and point in the spring game I mean that was something we saw Zeb Nolan do actually uh his freshman year so that that extra time helps but I think in the grand scheme of things it's only gonna go so far in terms of I think Real Mitchell battling for a starting spot right out of the gate during his freshman year because it's like we said no matter what you're you're probably going to have somebody else there with Zeb Nolan so if they go out and get a grad transfer right there, you've got two guys that ha- that most likely have significant experience and even starting experience. So you're you're not going to roll the dice right away with a guy who has not taken a even a class on campus yet. I just want to say too that I've. It's not a. I don't even think this is a commentary on Zeb Nolan. I think all three of us would agree that you could win with him. He's proven it at the Big Twelve level. But it's it's about insurance. I mean, Iowa State hasn't gone since Austin Arnott in 2008 where they played the same quarterback all season long. So you've got to have some help. And that's the guy that tore his ACL already, too. Yeah. So uh, we got that out of the way. We got that. Well, that's going to be a fun spring conversation. Thank you it's for It's going to be call. great. Because yeah. <laughs> it's going to be lively. Because if they do bring a grad transfer, well, they, grad transfer won't be here in the spring um, if they bring one in. Correct. So... You know, but we'll know. Certainly, we'll know by. Good gosh, I would hope we'd know by the next couple of weeks about Kyle. Uh, Steve wants to call in to Cyclone Insider here on fourteen sixty KXNO. Hello, Steve. Hey, Chris. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, got a question. I was. Uh, I really liked the way our guys reacted to the turning the helmet upside down at the pregame <laughs> press conference. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just kind of blew it off, made snarky comments. But then Alan Lazard did it at the post uh, post game press conference, and that just thinks, oh man, that we just went down to their level. I wondered what you guys thought. I thought it was awesome. He didn't. They didn't make a big deal of it during the week. We the only way they even talked about it was when we asked about it, and 
Lazard waited until the very end, and he just kind of like an afterthought it. He, as he was getting his picture taken with, with the trophy, um, he just flipped the helmet upside down. I don't see anything wrong with that. That game was chippy. There was all kinds of chippiness going on. I don't know whether it showed it on the TV. Um, there was pushing and shoving. They had, the players had to be separated. I thought it was. I thought it was very appropriate that Lazard got the last laugh in that situation. You go back and watch the replay when you see Joel Lanning doing the post-game interview. They have split screens on the left screen. Is Alan Lazard walking around the field with his helmet? He's holding upside up down. his helmet yeah. upside down, just mocking them. And dude, I'll tell you what. Um, I had a conversation with Ben Bruns about this, um, who's a legend at Iowa State in more ways than one. But we were – because he – we had our pregame show that was here on KXNO last Thursday, and and Ben was talking about – and Ben was, like, fired up about it. And I'm like – so we got off the air. And I'm like, man, like – I go, would they really, like, make a big deal out of that in the locker room? Because I didn't think it was a big deal. I thought it was just some guy from Memphis kind of just being a punk, you know, like I didn't – it was the, the good linebacker. Whatever. It was the wide receiver. I, the wide receiver. Anthony, Anthony Miller. Miller, yeah. And I'm like, so like, and Ben's like, absolutely. And that was a pretty good Ben's, Ben Bruns impression right there. Solid. But then I started to think about it, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, every every person who's great at what they do finds a way to get a chip on their shoulder in one way or another. Especially if you're a college athlete. Well, you're yeah, especially use it. pro athletes and, like, really good, like, elite I think elite level business people. I think if you're an elite level salesperson, I mean, look at in, how many in times, any capacity you got to find that motivation, and they absolutely use that as motivation. Look at how many times Naz, George, Monte, all those guys when they were together, even when they're ranked, even when they're you know the constant favorite to win this game or that game, they were always saying, "Oh, it's us against the world" mentality. They were always looking for the one negative thing being said about them instead of the ten positive things being said about them. And I think that goes to your point, Chris. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else to add, Steve? That's kind of our take on it, I guess. No, I haven't heard that it, that uh, Lazard turning it over happened at the very end of the press. Conference. It did. It happened as a, it's a kind better. of an afterthought. Yeah. It was when he was walking out of the room. I do have one other thing. Okay. Uh, I thought it was super cool to read about how uh, Coach Campbell took the guys at the end of the game and said, I hope that call goes against us so that you guys can prove yourself. Yeah. That was like breaking a curse. Well, <clears throat> that, I, <clears throat> you know, I think for him, that is, too. I, I love Campbell. That's insane. There's no way he wanted them to. No, he, exactly. he obviously. <laughs> I didn't believe that at but, all. And I'd call him out on it if he were here, right? But, yeah. but he, I but he absolutely. I, I believe he actually said it. To, oh, I believe he said it. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he actually he was, wanted. The he was call. getting in his own guy's head. Is yeah. what he was doing. That's I what think, a coach does. I think he was mentally preparing them for when that call went against them to be ready for it because. You know, uh, we sat up in the press box and watched the replay on TV and on the video board. Every time you're like, there's no way they can overturn that. And when Campbell's sitting there telling them, you know, hey, I hope it goes against us, at least those guys are kind of ready and kind of preparing themselves for, for when that call goes against them. And to me, that was, you know, the team faced adversity so many times during the season and responded to it. That to me, is the moment that really showed, hey, Iowa State had kind of 
you know, at least with this team, turn the corner on, oh, something bad is going to happen to this team. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate your call, man. Call us back anytime, 515-284-5966. We'll continue taking calls if you guys want to chat with us. Troy, welcome to Cyclone Insider here on 1460 KXNO. Congrats on the bowl win. Great win versus a really strong team. Oh, thanks, Troy. Appreciate it, buddy. How are you tonight? Good, thanks. Uh, I've gained a lot of respect for the conference, how they performed in the bowl season, including Oklahoma's game, even though it was a loss. Wanted to get your thoughts on this year and the prestige of the conference after the bowl. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, that's a good call, and I, I'm totally with you. I think that the, the Big 12 has really solidified itself in a couple of ways. One, uh, as he mentioned, Oklahoma. I thought, by the way, I think Oklahoma choked. They should have won that game. That last game night. was incredibly difficult to watch when they went ultra conservative there at the end of the game, went out of their way to take the ball out of their Heisman Trophy winner's hands and just played to not lose the game instead of win the game. Georgia went to play to, you know, they played to try to win it. Not, yeah, they took it from them. It's almost like Oklahoma was playing for another overtime every time and just thinking Georgia is going to stumble somewhere along the way here and we're going to uh, take advantage of the opportunity, but they didn't. I think the Big 12, the, the bowl games they've won are the ones, uh, other than Oklahoma, are the ones that really matter to the, the first two, they started 0-2, like his West Virginia lost, you know, without Greer at quarterback to that team, that, that heart of Dallas Bowl, and there are like 15 people there. Um, and then Texas Tech lost to South Florida in like one of the first bowl games of the year. But like when the when the lights have been on, the conferences looked really good. I think Oklahoma State was a great example because they didn't go out there against Virginia Tech in the Camping World Bowl, and it wasn't a 56-50 to type game that you think of with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's defense was making plays down the stretch, and um, and watching Texas really just manhandle Missouri, um, that didn't get a lot of credit because of Tom Herman's antics on the sidelines afterwards. But the, it was a, you know, the Texas's defense held a team that had been scoring 40, 50 points a game the last two months to 16 points. Uh, so I don't know, Randy, and I, I think the league's had a great bowl season and it really should turn some heads nationally, uh, capped off last night by Oklahoma, which was a disappointing loss. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's what people are going to remember. I mean, yeah. Okay. We're sitting here with, with all the Iowa state stuff around it. And that's what, that's, that's our immediate focal point. But looking at it nationally, you really think the national people are going to think highly of the big 12. Uh, I don't. I think they think higher of it now they, than they did because they don't get a, they didn't get a championship team. That's the only Oklahoma's the only team they had in the New Year's Six. Well, bowls I, let too. me say this: so, I, so and then everybody else played in lesser bowls. I think that I, I I think that the target is off of the Big Twelve now. Well, nobody expects them to be in the championship game. Well, no, my point. I'm not. I don't mean that target. I mean the off season target. It's solely on the Pac-12 now. It's what. It's solely on the Pac-12 now, as far as the off-season the articles. Pac-12, I couldn't understand that. Oh, without question. I mean, oh, one and eight yeah. in the Bulls. No question. No playoff team. Right. You've yeah. got a commissioner who everybody seems to hate. Yeah. You make less revenue in television than any other conference. Look to me like the Big Twelve can kind of breathe a little bit now. Right. For the last couple. But it'd have been nice to, to for the yeah, reputation of the Big Twelve to get at least get their only team in the Power Six or in the New Year's Six Bowls. Well, to, to win. To win your first playoff. Because you only had one in there anyway. You might as well win it. And they Which couldn't. is kind of 
that all gets really political. Well, it's Anyways. still nonetheless. I mean, I, I, yeah, the Big 12 did a good job winning those lesser bowl games. I'm just so sick of, I'm so sick of the way that that whole thing works. I'd rather have the. You'd, B- you'd rather been in Orlando because well, that's where we'd have been if TCU'd have gone up. No, my biggest. I would rather have the old BCS system choose the playoff teams than what we have now. It's interesting that the. Well, I really would. I like the playoff. Don't. I'm not saying go back to the old BCS system. I want the BCS choosing the yes, playoff team. I, I'd rather have that formula choosing it than a bunch of stiffs down in Dallas who all have bias. That probably not a popular opinion. How different would I just? I don't think we're getting the best matchups. What do you think they're saying in Central Florida right now? They're probably saying the same thing. Yeah. Now. I also think too. I don't. I don't know if you heard the show at all today. At some point, those group of five schools have to come together and say this is like a total anti-competition thing going on here, and 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 consider a lawsuit. They they can't they can't win a national title in football. It's impossible. Not under the current situation, the way it is with a fourteen. I, I don't care what anybody in the Power Five tells me. It is impossible for a group of five team to win a national title. Well, under the four team system, yes. Yeah, without question. And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I don't know if it's just okay. This is the time where we got to separate. Maybe that happens in twenty twenty four. You know, it's so much easier though com- to compare the Power Five conferences against each other yeah. than it is because you don't know how to compare. I wouldn't have put UCF in the playoff. Yeah, okay, I would have so put Bama or Ohio State right. in over them. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean, so so I'm not. Well, I'm just saying it's impossible to put them in there. And what was their strength of schedule? 88. That's terrible. I saw someplace not so, a I mean, lot worse than Bama's though. Bama beat five top 50 teams or something. Dude, something but their strength like schedule was in like 60s. What? Well, yeah, Bama's wasn't good. But um, yeah, and the, but they've got the brand too, and we can't overlook absolutely. that. Absolutely. No, and they're going to win the national title next week. I I fully think. What is that? Sunday? When is that game? Monday night. Monday night. Monday night. Four is there a basketball point, game? Four-point spread. Uh, no. Okay, good. Clones don't play on Mondays much anymore, bud. I, they they do, but they're early, thank yeah, goodness. they're not the big <laughs> they're Monday. Not the, they're mini Monday. No, no big Monday this year for, for the Cyclones. Yeah. Uh, Tom, welcome to Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hey, Fles, uh, Happy New Year. Hey, uh, I, and actually, as you were talking about UCF, I came up with a second question. The first question is, you think the shadow of Big Game Bob not being able to win the big game hangs over Lincoln Riley after this, or do you give him another year to see what happens? And then, has uh, I know years prior with the uh, committee, uh, they would always go back and be like, if we had the old PCS system, here's what the four teams would be, or, or here's the two teams or four teams or whatever that would have been. Has anybody seen that and was UCF in those big four? Uh, I have not seen it, but I can about guarantee you they were not. My whole gripe on it, on that deal, was less about the playoff and more about those New Year's Six matchups. Because those are the ones where the politics are going to get involved. A lot of politics involved in that because your top four were pretty much cut and dried. Correct. I mean, not cut and dried. But yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they the Ohio State argument, yeah. but whatever. But my... I, that's where I was like, I'd rather have the old BCS because at least those ga- a lot of those games turned out to be trash too. A lot of bowl games just do that, but now we're more in like these New Year's Six games where they're trying to separate. They're trying to separate the the 
important bowl games from the lesser yeah, bowl games. Yeah, and I don't want the committee that's choosing the playoff choosing the New Year's Six games because then they can do crap to, like, you know, defend themselves on, on different types of um, scenarios. that could Are happen. they really picking them? They're picking the, the year six is the rest of what's left of among the top 12. I mean, so they're not. But they're setting the top 12. Like they're, you, They are setting the top 12. You know yeah. what I mean? But who's going to do that then? The, let, the, let the computers do it. Well, let, let they've the got a computer system. rating. Let the old system okay. do it. Yeah. I don't care what. Until I can, like, watch it, and maybe I should try and get in on that next year. I don't trust it. It's not. Jamie trans- was in on it. This yeah, no, year. Jamie, I had him on, and yeah, he came and explained about, it. Yeah, I did. It's not transparent enough. Like all that stuff Jamie said was great, but the common fan doesn't know how that works. Right. I don't blame these people for not trusting this. When you see, you know, for so long it was Jeff Long from the SEC in Arkansas coming on there. I'm sorry. Like if I'm a rant, casual fan, I'm going to assume it's bias. These are human beings. They can go out of the room all they want, but bias is going to be involved. This is this is real life people we're talking about. But anyways, um, we kind of got off the topic there. But the uh, that's okay. Bob Stoops deal. I don't think I don't think there's any shadow there with Lincoln Riley. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is because I get when I got home from Ames. At, I don't know what time it was. Eleven o'clock last night. I I thankfully I pushed the the like three extensions, whatever that that is on the on my. Taper like the thing that tapes it, so I could watch. Oh yeah, so yeah. I so I because I figured this thing would go a while, and, and a couple times late they they showed Stoops on the sidelines. I mean it, it's it's. Uh, I I do think so maybe that Lincoln Riley's uh, youth kind of popped out for the first time last night. Yeah, I, I do. He too. got out coached. I agree with that. Um, from the little bit that I saw, do not get me wrong now, but from what I saw and heard. I was uh, hoping thanks, for thanks, Tom. We appreciate yeah. it. I was hoping for a another little, overtime. a little bit. No, well, yeah, um, a little bit more Baker Mayfield on the sidelines. Like, how is he not getting pissed off there at the end of the game? Like, why? Why are we doing this? What's up with this this play calling? But he just seemed cool, calm, collected. Seemed to understand what they were doing, and it made sense to absolutely nobody. He's going to cash his check here. He'll be cashing checks. Real quick, uh, Randy, you covered basketball last night. What were your reactions? You know, Iowa State, and I didn't like any none of us. We The only way we saw the Friday night game debacle against Kansas State was, was on TV. Um, Iowa State played, from what I saw, Iowa State played better, obviously, than they did against Kansas State. And if Iowa State would have played like it did last night, it would have beaten Kansas State. Um, um, what did I see from Iowa State? They they, um, they can't guard the they can't guard the line. They can't shoot it. They don't know how to get through. They're, they're still it's a, still a learning process how to get through screens. Um, still a learning process on how to defend the pick and roll. Linda Wigginton, yeah, I agree. He's the best player on the team, but he's going to be up and he's going to be down. Man, he was down last night. It's going to happen. He's yeah. a freshman. He's Man, a true freshman. I don't it's going to happen. I, I don't think he'll ever go two for fourteen again. Do you? I I, I no. But it's gonna happen. I mean, he's gonna have he's gonna have games like that. How about Cam Lard? He was really good. They, let, they let that one get away last night. Though. How about Jeff Beverly? He should not be starting. Yeah, that that's gonna be the topic the rest of the week. Uh, my projection is that Steve will make the change. I have no inside information, but he has to. Owen too. Thanks, guys. It's fun. Tommy Birch, Randy Peterson. We're gonna hand it off to John Walters, Cyclone Courtside Show next.